Welcome to the Watershed Teaching Podcast. Watershed is the high school ministry of Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Perimeter Church is part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Watershed is a place where we hope high school students would connect, receive, and transform. We want to see students connect with God and others through healthy community, receive His truth through gospel-centered, grace-based teaching, and be transformed by the gospel to then go transform their world. Thank you for downloading this podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.perimeter.org slash watershed. Hey, what's up, Watershed? How are you guys doing? Great. Hey, uh, do me a favor. Go ahead right now, and if you have your Bible, open it to Genesis chapter 3. Because that's where we're going to be tonight. We're going to be in Genesis 3. But while you do that, I want to share a story about a little girl named Grace. I know Grace is everyone's favorite, not mine. Just kidding, I love her. So uh, about four years ago, about four years ago, Grace was uh, about two years old. Uh, Caleb was a little baby. My wife, Hope, was still on maternity leave. And when I would, I would come home, I would leave the church, I would come home. And kind of what I would do, my little tradition was I would, I would open the front door and I would stop at the stairs. Because usually my, my little girls were upstairs playing and, and I would yell their names. I'd say, Issa, Grace, Daddy's home. And and Isabel was about four and a half, five, and, and she would run down the stairs, and she would get on the fourth step, and she would jump in my arms, and it was beautiful, and it was sweet. And then Grace, little toddler Grace, is kind of, you know, one step at a time. But then she gets to the third step, and she jumps, and I catch her, and I hug her, and it's great. And there's this beautiful illustration about jumping into the Father's arms. But that's not what this talk is about tonight. You see, what happened was this. So, so one of these days, I, I, I get home, and instead of stopping at the stairs, like I usually did. I, I went to the kitchen. My wife was in the kitchen. Caleb was in the kitchen. Hey, guys in this room, when, one day you're going to get married and, and you'll have kids. The first kiss when you get home should always go to your wife. That's just, that's a little, that's a little nugget for you. So I went to the kitchen to give my wife a kiss and, and the girls heard me come in and, and they're walking down the stairs. Issa's the first one. And she comes down the stairs. She runs to the kitchen. She gives me a big hug. I'm, I don't think anything of it. And then, you know, Grace is kind of on her way walking slowly. Here's what you need to know about Grace. As a two-year-old, she was all in, in in the toddler stage. Like she was beautiful and cute, but she was sassy. And that girl did what she wanted to do. And so she's walking down the stairs. And, and for, for you know, six months, seven months, usually when she walked down the stairs, she would jump and I was there and I would catch her and I'd hug her and I'd place her down gently. She loved jumping off the stairs. So she gets to the stairs and she, she doesn't see me there. But she's, in her mind, she's thinking, I love jumping. I love jumping down those stairs. I don't need daddy. This is going to be fun without him. And so I'm just in the kitchen, minding my own business, when all of a sudden I hear the, followed by, ah! And so I, I beeline, I run, and I just hold this little girl in, in, in my arms. She, she had decided to, to jump without me there. She had taken a fall, and she had a bruise to prove it. She had, she had paid the price with this bump on her head, she thought in this moment that she could do something, and really she wanted to do something without her daddy being there. And, and I did what all dads would do in this moment, and I, I grabbed her, and I told her, don't you dare do that again, or you're grounded forever. I held her. I just told her it was going to be okay. We've been in this series called Created Matter. For the last three weeks, this is the last week of the series, Created Matter. And, and the first week I, I, I came and we talked about the fact, this truth, that 
We are dignified image bearers of God. And that because we're his image bearers, that God loves us and he knows us. And then last week, Jimmy came and he talked about the fact that, that we are created with, with a purpose, uh, that, that we are created to rule and to multiply as his ambassadors, carrying his redemption to the ends of the earth. And tonight we're going to be in Genesis 3. We're, we're going to talk about the fall. We're going to talk about our brokenness. And, and we're going to talk about what God does after. Because the truth is this, whether you're in this room and, and you're a follower of Christ or not, there are few chapters in the Bible more important than Genesis 3. There, there, there are few chapters that point to the gospel in such a beautiful way, but in, in this chapter, it points us to one of the most critical truths, one, one of the most critical foundations of our faith, one of these, these, these pillars that we lean on. The, the fact that in, in this moment, in, in this chapter, it, it points us to the fall. And when, when I say the fall, what I'm saying is that it points us to the moment when sin enters our world and enters our heart. It's, 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 it's like when, when Grace was on the stairs and, and she decided she could do this by herself without her daddy, uh, the fall kind of reminds us of the same thing, that it's, it's this moment where we decided that we can do life without our father. But the good news about chapter three of the book of Genesis and, and the good news for my daughter then is, is this truth, is that while it points us to the fall and it points us to the brokenness that we deal with in our day-to-day lives while it points us to sin, it also points us to God's love and his mercy. And, and in chapter three, God begins to share his plan for redemption for all of mankind. But to appreciate God's mercy, we've, we've got to understand why, why we need it in the first place. So we're gonna talk about the fall. So I'm gonna read the first seven verses. It's gonna be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. And this is gonna help us begin to, to paint the picture of, of what's happening. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, like in in the middle of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves loincloths. This one bite This one bite caused all of the misery and all of the pain in in this world for all of time. Because the the moment that that that, that Eve takes that first bite, that's that's when the fall happens. That's when sin sin has entered her heart and and the heart of every human after. It's when sin enters the world. But what what exactly is sin? What exactly is sin? We keep talking about, we throw this word around. I think for a lot of us, we have this belief that, that sin is the bad things that we do. Here's, here's what sin is. Here's how the Westminster Shorter Catechism defines sin. Any want of conformity unto or transgression of the laws of God. It's taking offense 
to God's law. It's saying that our way is, is better. It's, it's creating idols and placing them ahead of God. It's, it's hating our brother or our sister. It's, it's coveting what our neighbor has. It's going against God. I mean, read, read those verses right before Eve takes the bite. It, it says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. Like, how often is that us before we have one of these moments where sin just takes over uh, us. How often do we, do we see something and we're like, oh, that looks good. How many Friday nights have we had where we're like, man, that party seems great right now. We, we know that might be against God's will, but we say, man, that looks good. Or how often do we, do we lust after something or someone? Because we say, man, that, I, I desire that. That looks good to me. There's an entire industry out there that's making billions of dollars off of that. How often do we, do we go about our lives choosing to do something, uh, trying to make ourselves equal to or better than God? The answer is daily. Daily our sin consumes us. Daily our sin is killing us. And the truth is, e- even right now, we, we don't even realize it. I heard the story once of, of a group of, of Eskimos in, in the northern parts of Canada who had a problem that they had to deal with. And so they came up with this ingenious solution to the problem. You see, the, the problem was th- there's wolves around the area and these wolves would go into the town, into the village and they would kill and eat the livestock, the very livelihood of, the, of this group of people. So they, they came up with this, this idea. What they decided to do was they were gonna take this huge blade, dip it in blood, and they, they put these blades in the outskirts of town. So what happened is that the wolves would come and they would sniff around, they would smell the blood that's on this blade and they begin to lick it. And they would lick it and they realized that it tasted good. And so they continued to lick it until without realizing that they were licking its own blood. You see, as, as the wolf would lick this blade, it was slicing its tongue, causing the wolf to bleed out. But the wolf never realized it because it was consumed by this desire that it wanted without realizing that this very thing that it wanted was killing it until finally these wolves would just die right there at the blade. For us, as a result of the fall, as a result of sin, as a result of it consuming us, it's, it's killing us. Our desire to be, to be like God has not only separated us from him for eternity, but, but like I said, it's, is killing us. And the truth is that it breaks God's heart because God created us in his image. We are his favorite. We are his most prized creation. He, he knows us. God loves us. He, he gave us an entire world with a purpose in it and for it. He created us to not just, to not just name animals, but, but to rule over them, to, to, to rule over creation, to harvest, to, to make things the way we wanted them. Everything was perfect and everything was beautiful, but because of our desire to be like God, because of our desire to, to want to be equal to or greater than God, we, we, we separate ourselves from him. And in a bite, in a single act of disobedience, the world and our world was forever broken. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. Brokenness in this world was initiated by an act of rebellion. 
brokenness in this world was initiated by an act of rebellion. We live in a world that was created for life but is now scarred by death. We, we live in a world that, that we were created to be open but we're now scarred by shame. There's war and there's hate, there's racism, there's injustice, there's sickness and all of this is a result of the fall. It's a result of the sin that, that, that consumes us. We are broken people living in a broken world. But let's take it one step forward. Let's be more specific if we can for just a moment. We're broken men and we're broken women living in a broken world. Because immediately after the fall happens, immediately after it happens, it says Adam and Eve, they, they sew up these fig leaves and, and they create uh, these loincloths to cover themselves because in this moment they now know that they are naked. They, they begin hiding. And I love this picture. Right after this, it says that God is walking in the garden. God's walking in the garden and they begin to hide from God. Because when, when we know that we are in sin, our tendency is to hide. And so they're hiding from God, not simply just because they're shamed, they feel ashamed of, of what's happened, but because they know that the penalty for this sin is death. They asked to know good and evil, now they do. And they know that what they did was wrong. But like I said, God is walking in the garden and he begins to call for them. And, and we begin to see what broken manhood looks like. We see it right here, starting in verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man, he said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. There's broken manhood right there. He's hiding his nakedness. He's hiding from God. And now he's hiding behind this woman who God created for him. He's hiding behind her. He's, he's pointing the blame to her. You see, man was created to lead. And in this moment, man is now hiding. Leaders don't hide. But he's hiding behind this woman. And so then God turns, turns to Eve and says, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So then God turns his attention to the serpent and he begins to tell all the parties. He tells the serpent, he begins to tell Adam and Eve the consequences of the fall. He says this starting in verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, God said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken. For you are dust and to dust you shall return. God begins by telling the serpent that he is cursed. That he's going to live on its belly. That he's going to be stomped on by the infant of the woman. And we're going to come back to that. We're going to come back to this truth in just a little bit. But then he looks at Eve and he tells her this truth. Like, hey, childbearing is going to suck. Like it's, it's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. 
And I promise you this, right now there's probably a line of mothers in heaven just waiting to give Evie an earful. And you say, what? Why'd you do that? Like any mom in this room is like, mm-hmm. Like I've watched, uh, my, my, my wife has given birth four times and I promise you she's gonna cut people in line just to yell at Eve. I promise you that. And then, and then God tells the woman that her desires would be contrary to her husband's and that, that her husband would lead. He's gonna say that the woman's gonna want, want to, to lead, the woman's gonna want to be in control. But God, but, but God said, but, but man's gonna lead. But then he looks at Adam saying, saying, because you listen to your wife, you're gonna work all of your days and he's gonna work all of his days just to provide for his family. He's gonna work hard, blood and sweat just to provide. And every time that he thinks that something good is happening, thorns and thistles are gonna come about. Obstacles and challenges are gonna come up. And he's gonna work and he's gonna work just to provide for his family, for his wife. He says that you're gonna work until you die from dust to dust. So a woman's desire is to rule her husband. Man's desire is simply to provide but ever since the fall, ever since this moment, there's been a battle within man. There's been a battle within, within woman uh, to, to fix things because we know that something's broken. But the problem is, the problem is that broken things can't fix themselves. But we try anyway. And what happens when we, when we, we try to fix these things, what our tendency to do is we've, we've overcorrected. For, for much of history, we, we've told man that there's supposed to be these great leaders and, and, and you know, man is supposed to go and work and, and hunt and be gone for 12 days while, the, while their wife is at home cleaning and cooking and taking care of the children. And, and, and the man is supposed to lead however they need to, whether that's physically and, and maybe abusively. And then we overcorrect it again. You know, a woman wants to, desires to be in control and, and then we almost switch roles and we've told man that, hey, you're supposed to be sensitive. Really just want you to be a nice guy while woman was, was now begun, beginning to work and they're the ones that are becoming the providers. And, and because of all this brokenness, as a result of the fall, we, we see things are not the way they're supposed to be. You wanna poke a hole at a man's heart, tell him that, that they're not worth it, that they can't really provide. You, you wanna poke a hole in women's heart, tell them that they're not fit to lead. Things are broken. And then now we, we've overcorrected again where we're even now just trying to combine the two genders all together. We're, we're, we're saying we, that we've been so wounded by these stereotypes that we're just gonna, we're gonna make it more fluid. People are trying to choose which gender they wanna be. They're, they're taking gender out of God's hand, out of the hand of the very one who created you to be man, who created you to be woman. Things are broken and they're not as they should be. Here's, here's the other truth at this moment, and even amongst this brokenness, like I told you earlier, Adam and Eve, they, they realize there's a price to pay. They, they realize that the price for their sin is death. They know they should be punished immediately, that they fear that. It's why, it's why they're hiding. But in this moment, in this moment, God shows mercy. Yes, he promises Eve that, that childbirth is gonna be horrible, but he promises her children. He, he then, he clothes Adam and Eve in skin. He, he, he kills an animal and he clothes them. He covers them. He covers their shame. He covers their sin. And he does the same for us. 
He, he shows mercy to us. Romans 16, 23. For the wage of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. He, he clothes us in the righteousness of his son. So while brokenness was initiated by an act of rebellion, redemption for our world was initiated by an act of God through his son, Jesus. Going back to verse 15, it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This verse is talking about, it's pointing to Jesus. This verse is the gospel. Jesus is the offspring who's gonna bruise the head of the serpent, who's gonna bruise the head of the prince of this world. Jesus is the one who's gonna pay the price for sin. Jesus is God's ultimate act of mercy for us. And while we deserve death, God offers us life through his son. He covers Adam and Eve in the skin and he covers us with the son's righteousness. And Christ comes as our savior and as our redeemer. He, he, he comes to make all things that are broken new, including this broken manhood and broken uh, womanhood. Through Christ, that is now restored. Because for man, we are called to lead. But we're called to lead as Christ does, in love. We're, we're called to lead as Christ loves the church. For, for a woman, she is called to, to come alongside, to serve alongside man, to lead with him, to, to join him in everything, just the same way that the son, the same way that Christ comes and is with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. The challenge is this. We have to remind ourselves of the truth of the fact that the fall has left everything broken. The, the, the truth that we have lost it all that we lost it all in an act of disobedience, but we were reminded that through Jesus, his death and resurrection, that, that Jesus did it all. That in an act of love, in an act of love, we get it all. So the challenge today is, is, is how are you gonna look at yourself? Are you gonna look at yourself as, as that broken image earlier? Or are you gonna look at yourself the way that God looks at you? Clothed, and his righteousness. If you're here tonight, I'm gonna close with this. If you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, know this, that, that he knows you, that Jesus loves you, that he desires a relationship with you, that he desires to walk alongside you just like God desired to walk alongside Adam and Eve in the garden. Maybe today, maybe tonight is, is that night where you decide that you're gonna give your life to the very one who gave his for you. He gave his life so that you might live life to the full, that you might have this abundant life that can only come when we walk alongside Jesus, when we give our lives over to him. If you're here tonight and, and you don't know Jesus, I pray that as we close that maybe even now God is stirring something. Maybe now you begin to hear his voice, hear him call your name, call him, call you to him. That even as I close in prayer, that maybe even now you'll begin to pray to do that. If, if tonight you feel like something is stirring in you, please don't leave here without telling somebody. If it's your D group leader, whether it's a friend that brought you, tell somebody. Because like Jesus wants to walk alongside you, our desire is to come alongside you as well. We pray that as image bearers, 
that we know that we are known by God, that we are loved by God, that we know that we are created with a purpose and that we know that despite the brokenness in our lives, despite our sin, that God loves us so much that he sent his son to restore it. That we lost it all. He did it all so we can get it all. Let me pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for watershed and opportunity just to hear from your word. Lord, I pray that that even tonight that, that you would be with us as we go in our groups, Lord, that you would be with us as, as we go home. And Lord, that we know that we are redeemed, that we know that you have restored us through what you did on the cross. Jesus, if there's anybody in this room who, who still has questions, Lord, I pray that they would be answered tonight. And if there's anybody in this room who might wanna give themselves over to you, who might wanna pray to receive you, Lord, I pray that they would do that tonight. Lord, that that nobody would leave here without knowing which side of eternity they stand on. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We pray this all in your name. Amen.